0: Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Live, Let, Thrive. This is episode 11.
2: And we are back. Another exciting episode. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: I wouldn't call it exciting. I mean, you know,
2: it's probably boring.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm Steve
2: i'm your ho- other host co-host. co-host, other host uh, micah and uh today we have a very special guest we do and uh his name is al williamson
1: al williamson Go big ahead. hand for al williamson golf clap <laughs> how you doing al
0: hey. hey guys doing it's a pleasure to be here with you
1: oh man the pleasure is all ours
2: yeah, man, it's an honor to actually meet you. I actually uh, read a few of your blog posts, um, listened to your episode on Bigger Pockets. Uh, so it was actually kind of you're the first person from Bigger Pockets we got to interview, so that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, good, good.
1: And, and you should feel honored too, Al. You're on Live Let Thrive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I'm making it in the first uh, batch of episodes. That's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. the first batch before yeah, just... we blow up. <laughs>
0: Just like Bigger Pockets, man, you're on like <laughs> yeah. one of the first
2: ten, right? Yeah. You see, that's what that's I was going to ask.
1: It. He's like a good luck charm for Bigger Pockets. Right. After him, they blew up. Yeah. You know, he's going to do that for our podcast.
2: Exactly. That's,
1: no that's, pressure, that's Al. That's my plan. That's my plan. <laughs> this is master plan. Yeah. Um, yeah well, uh, Disclaimer: Micah said Michael. Micah told me that you might be on, and um, then today he said, "Well, I haven't heard from I haven't heard from Al all day, so." I don't think it's gonna happen. Then he rushes in the. He gets here at seven thirty. He's like, "Hey, uh, Al's gonna be on." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't set up anything, man.
2: Yeah, man.
1: But yeah, it's it's great. I, I, we're glad to have you on the show. And I just I listened to your um, Bigger Pockets interview today, and that was that was pretty cool. It was pretty neat, man.
2: Yeah. And
0: uh, good.
2: Yeah, so one of my questions I actually had for you right off the bat, because I remember on your bigger pockets episode, you were talking about your fourplex and how to uh, maximize your income. Um, right. Were you able to do that with or your eightplex,
0: fourplex or eightplex? Uh,
2: were you able to do that with Airbnb?
0: So I was eventually able to um, use one of my units as uh, for Airbnb, and starting in 2016, mm-hmm. once the uh, business travel ready category came out i decided to focus on that but before there you know from 2002 to um 2015 i was doing kind of kind of a version of airbnb but through my local hospitals website i was matching medical students together and they were they they understand the sharing economy so it, it worked out just fine
2: okay um So when you were doing that, were you kind of like uh, doing a corporate rental or student housing?
0: Yeah, it was student housing just for medical students. Mm -hmm. So I I was focusing on that and I was piecing them together. And and they're familiar with Airbnb, so they they kind of have the same mindset going into it, understanding they're going to share share a room. Not share a room, but share an apartment with someone that they may not know. Mm -hmm. So I was able to piece it together that way until 2016 and that's when i I was able to put the whole whole unit on on airbnb for business travel ready
2: wow uh my my question for that would be how how did you find the students like you just went to a board or how did that work
0: yeah i was through the board building my own website and um just just hustling (laughs) (laughs) and and, and then and then you do it for you know if you can get a, a year under your belt then the word gets out, and, and you can get onto other people's list of recommended places to stay when you come to town for students. Students, you know, they have a different mindset versus Airbnb. You know, they they just look for a, a clean mattress, Wi-Fi, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and that's really that's really all they that's all they really want to pay for
1: like dorm style, right? That's right great, man and what town is this sorry, i didn't hear
0: this is in sacramento california oh nice yeah we were able to do that for our i'm i have a i'm one mile from a medical center uh, or, a, or a teaching hospital so i was using that to my advantage but cool. you know i have other 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 clients other students that i work with that you know that they, they may be uh next to you know cummins mm-hmm. um diesel motors and who you know people with trade schools it works out just as well if they bring people to town for a certain period of time you can set yourself up as a hotel alternative for folks oh sweet wow man.
1: yeah kids kids need to save a buck right
0: that, that's right when when um they're motivated by money for for that end you know they're they're usually in debt and trying to work off the scholarship or they're getting a small stipend and trying to stretch it so you know how we are we all we all like that we want to be thrifty
1: yeah we all do and especially the youth i mean and and that's what i think was i mean the youth kind of came up with airbnb right because i mean looking for cheaper cheaper alternatives i mean any hotel back in the day you could stay you would stay at it be 89 99 100 something bucks you know a night and. And but and so someone came up with the Airbnb idea or whoever came up with it first. But like yeah, I mean it's the it's youth driven, and that's It's right.
0: a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful thing.
1: And so when you when you did your what year did you do your Bigger Pockets interview?
0: Wow, that was um, 2013 or so. Wow.
1: Okay. So, so that was, was before
0: something like that. It was a, it was quite a while ago. That was before Airbnb
1: Airbnb got big, right?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, they were going they were you know i was using them in 2012 2011 so they were up and going i was in san francisco so i was um you know before the ho- hockey stick for sure but they were going pretty strong
1: and hockey stick what's what's that term right there is
0: like a a big uh, you know change in the big, trend a real nose change in the trend Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's cool. I'm I'm gonna use that from now on.
2: Yeah, hockey stick. (laughs) I use that one.
1: (laughs) So um, you said you started in Sacramento, um, and in a war zone in Sacramento, you said it was pretty dangerous.
0: Um, I should well, I neighborhood revitalization is is one of the things I like to do. Trying to help the neighborhood get better. Sweet. So I bought the place in this eight-unit building in 2002, and started working on it and the and the neighborhood surrounding it. And there was still, you know, once all the the indicators kind of line up so that people who are just dropping in feel safe, then you can start doing Airbnb. You want people to feel safe outside of your your um, your listing as well as inside of course, right?
1: Right, right. So, mm-hmm.
0: so the neighborhood just wasn't quite ready for it just just there's just too much um, disorder happening until you know 2016. So when it's like that, when your area's just not safe, people that they came in that, that they wouldn't feel comfortable. Then you know that's the time you can do a, a rent the room, rent by the room type of play and make some good money that way.
2: Oh, nice! Wow! Yeah, and. uh Another question I had for you, because um, i actually seen you comment on a, on someone else's blog post who uh, didn't really agree with the term of Airbnb, so I kind of wanted to know, what do you think that's uh, better or worse about the pros and cons of Airbnb uh, against the long-term renter?
0: Well, you know, I've done my, my own experiments, and I've been using it for quite a while and traveling around and using it for quite a while. And, and I... Of course, for my own blog, I, I interview the different owners and talk to them about it, and nearly all of them um, aren't doing their paperwork very well. They're not they're not really accounting for the cost of them cleaning up their own unit, and they, they don't really account for the cost of them, you know, sending text messages and, and all the time it takes to manage the place, and. For me, I I have a, being the engineer, I have a, a little, I add to the equation the hassle factor as well as the income, and then compare that to the, you know, compare the net income, which is the only thing that really matters is what is the net income from all your activities? All, after all the cleaning is done, whether you do it yourself or not, if, and if you do it yourself, you need to assign yourself, an, you know, an hourly rate so that you can, um, just take a take a really good look at what the net income is. And w- what you may find out is that, uh, what I found out, and nearly everyone who does this exercise finds out, that if they do a, a monthly furnished rental that's filled by Airbnb people, you know, of course you're paying, they're, they're getting a b- well above market uh, rent and their, their net income from that is comparable to them doing frequently frequent stays, and and um, after cleaning costs and all those things are accounted for. Cleaning costs also, um, you know, um, transient tax needs to be put in there, and of course everyone should, if they're doing thirty days and less, should have the right um, gap insurance because your your landlord policy doesn't cover that. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the bottom line with all those things put in, you'll see that it is it you know is about the same uh, if, if you do a month a good monthly rental versus all those short stays and w- with all the cleaning costs and taxes and hassle and all those things wrapped into it. Yeah. You know, most most people only last two years in the business. In the Airbnb so, business. Right, they get burnt <laughs> out.
2: Wow, I, I can. Uh actually see that happening um i actually because i actually do a condo which i was doing airbnb but my condo association kind of shut it down so what i did was i turned it into a corporate rental where you have nursing like uh, traveling nurses coming to stay with you two to three months but they're paying that pretty much that flat airbnb rate just to have a furnished place wi-fi tv you know what i mean so I definitely right. see what you mean by that. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely easier to furnish out a place and then rent it out long term.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and plus, just your nerves. You know, <laughs> you going to sleep at night. You tell me. You tell me when you're going to sleep at night. You're not worried about the something going wrong from a new person coming in who's just getting adjusted. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's.
1: I, and I and I argue not argue we talk about this a lot because I have a long term renter right now, and and I haven't jumped into the Airbnb world yet, but I have headaches that are different than his headaches from you know them not paying the rent on time, them not keeping the yard mode right or keeping clutter around, and I'm I'm worried about how the neighbors going to feel about it. And to me, I see I see the grass is greener on his side because hey he can go to the house anytime he wants work on it fix it keep it you know keep it nice. And, and that money comes in with, you know, they have to pay before they can stay. And I just, I guess, you know, there's the grass is greener on the other side for, for both of us in a way, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he seems to be enjoying, enjoying Airbnb. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I think I want to try it out.
0: So, so there's this, this spectrum of, of, uh, the different things landlords can do regarding the, the term of how long their leases are or how long they have a renter. So on the on the very short where you're just doing weekends, you know, so that's like four four stays a, a, a month. You know, you can have a big roast, but you're going to have a lot of cleaning costs to bring that net down and a lot of hassle. And then you have a, a long-term t- uh, landlord who has a, a one-year lease, so to speak. Your your income is going to be as low as pop, as low as it can be because it's a different market, and you're competing against other landlords who are cash strapped, and everyone's it's a race to the bottom because of the tenant pressures on on rents and things like that. And then you have the, the what's in the the Goldilocks in between, where these you know three months, six months, furnished rentals, so you're providing you're adding value to your rental just like a short-term rental but you're not doing the the turnovers so that's kind of the optimal spot right there in that spectrum
2: you you know what i found like the most value in airbnb is actually how the founders started it like they hate hey, to say hey they're living in a space and they just have other people wanting to sleep somewhere and they give them that space that's where i found that i make the most maximum cash is when you're actually living in the area. Kind of like, well, I'm kind of house hacking my house right now. I have two private rooms, and I have renters in each of them. And it's kind of easy to maintain because when they go in, go leave. I just go up, clean it real quick, and it's a private room. It's a small area. Um, me and my wife are actually working on our third room now, so we're going to have three rooms on Airbnb. And I, I think it works better that way because when I was doing my condo, yeah, you make you make a huge amount of money, but... Yeah, you do have to consider operating costs. Our operating costs were pretty low because we were doing it ourselves. So now you were giving our time, you know what I mean? Um, so it is definitely more work. So I, Airbnb, I think it maximizes itself if you're actually living on the property, you know? Right. Now when Al said
1: a- – I'm sorry um, – it- uh, when Al said about the optimize, the, the 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 sweet spot or whatever, mm-hmm. I automatically thought of your, um what is that, the, the corporate rental that you have? Yeah. That's like a hybrid between Airbnb and long-term rental. Yeah. And I thought that sounded pretty cool.
2: I, I always tell people yeah. corporate rentals is a great exit strategy for Airbnb. You already
0: have a furnished yeah. place. That's right. Turn it into a corporate rental, you know? Yeah, that's right. So So there's two different business models we're talking about here, two different buckets. One is where you're living on site and you have your, that's your personal expenses, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, so that's that's a different bucket right. than if you're an investor and, and you buy some property and, and you have to make a decision, should I do a, um, a traditional landlord or should I do a short-term um, option? Because one's upsetting your your personal expenses, though so any money you make is, is great, but when you have a, a, a rental, then the net income of a traditional landlord is the benchmark now. So you can't just make a little bit of money. You have to make more than that benchmark before you're even profitable. Oh, so, so is,
1: is there a magic number, buckets. like a percentage or something?
0: Yeah, so you look at your net income that you would make as a traditional landlord, you know, what's left over. And it's like, you know you get your, you pay your mortgage you pay your utilities and and uh, whatever's left over you look at that uh, amount and it could be $100 or $200 net income mm-hmm. so you need to so so you need to make sure that your net income from Airbnb as a landlord is is above that benchmark so you, when, after you account for all your your time and things like that, because you're running a, a business, mm-hmm. and that that benchmark is not there when you're renting your own home out. So you don't have to um, go against that same standard.
2: Yeah, it's just an extra income, like you said. Yep. Yeah.
1: Also, lots of taking. I mean, he's he's studied this. so... He's an engineer, and, and, and what you said, what you told us on the, we told the the world on Bigger Pockets, is that um, that you you always grew up like a tinkerer, inventor, yeah. and so yeah. um, with that mindset, is do you see a way that that Airbnb might morph into something else, or a, a more like a more efficient use for Airbnb, a hybrid or some sort?
0: Yeah, there's there's all kinds of models coming on the, coming out now about. Um, using that airbnb has a great amount of artificial intelligence built in you know as far as what they what offering they're showing you and and overall it's just a great way of, of making uh, of using your rental property mm-hmm. it is just straight airbnb if you if you have uh, the city laws and everything is on your side and um but Every landlord has to make a decision if they're going to go uh, traditional and make that's the least amount of money you can possibly make as a traditional landlord. Or, you know, some type of hybrid or with the hospitality industry. Because you can just go and, and compete against uh, extended stays. Like, uh, Micah, you're doing extended You're basically, if you're renting to a travel nurse in your condo, you're competing against an extended stay hotel. Mm hmm. So you're in the extended stay market versus um, someone who may be competing as hotels, which is, you know, um, that's a different, slightly different market, doing the, the short, short stays. I call them short shorts and long shorts. <laughs> <was my> term. <laughs> those are my terms for me. If you're doing short shorts, you're in the hotel market. And if you're doing um, extended stays, you're in the long shorts, you know, where, where you're going to have a, a cooktop and those types of things in your room. You know, you're thinking about, you're thinking about those. So we, we break them apart. Um, you can see where Airbnb can play in all those. Even, even um, there's a, there's a, to get more to your question. There's a mashup between, you know, um, meet.com, not meet.com, but more um, a dating site like um, match.com. Mm-hmm. It has all that artificial intelligence about who would would get along with who. And then they have um, Airbnb which brings uh, people looking for a place to stay as as long term roommates and mashed up with landlords who are willing to provide a um, like Stephen is doing. I think Stephen, you're renting you're renting your rooms out, right?
1: No, no, that's Micah. I'm I'm renting that's my Micah. whole house out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So so you could have a, a long term um, Airbnb model where people come and can come and go inside of if they meet the right personality characteristics. So that would stabilize a community versus what people complain about Airbnb is taking inventory off the market. And, you know, that's the biggest complaint. They're taking away the long term renter opportunities. But this mashup would would give long people who want to stay a long-term an, an option as well, a very affordable option as well. They'd be able to to leverage things because they're sharing things, so it'd be more affordable for them to to live in this type of um, network than it would be to live on their own.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people miss. I'm happy you brought that point up because. <clears throat> Like I'm I'm kind of in the short, short and long, short business with my Airbnb at my house because I just had a person. She's been there for two months, but now she's paying. Look, you're only paying you're paying a little bit more money, but you don't have to pay any lights, water, gas. You're just paying for a room, you know, everything else is paid for. So it, it definitely st- it creates a market for those people that need long term because she moved here from out of state and she needed a place. And I had a private room and she loves it, you know.
1: Right. Here's here's something yeah. that I automatically thought of when you were talking about like the hybrids or mashups or whatever. Uh, have you heard of a? I think it's the website's called Pillow. Have you heard of yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, go, I'm sorry. It's go a,
0: ahead. It's a it's a management company, right?
1: Right. And um, what they're what they're doing is helping, like apartment complexes, or because because rents are sky high right now everywhere, and mm-hmm. so people are having a hard time paying their rent. And one of the, one of the um, a way to get more renters to fill up their, their places is offering them um, the ability to Airbnb out your apartment when you're not using it. It's kind of an incentive. And so, um, and Pillow is kind of like the middleman for apartments and the people who are, are renting the apartments and renting out on Airbnb. They can kind of keep track of who your renters are renting to kind of thing. And I think that would that, be a great hybrid because you're and, – and I think that you can – they can make money off of your AirB, AirB – a percentage off your Airbnbs also. So, I mean, oh, absolutely. That, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, you, you're making money renting long term. Plus, you're getting Airbnb money at the same time. It's kind of like spreading your money around in the stock market a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a good model. That's, that's coming off of Airbnb's incentive to, to do that, to um, handle that paperwork for people too. So that that model is, is almost a, um, it's almost a. Um, well, there's there's so many different mashups. I mean, one of them's the uh, innkeeper model that that I, I wrote about a few years ago, where you know your tenant would actually you would joint venture with your tenant if you had an extra bedroom, and because um, they they would go on Airbnb and rent the room out anyway, and and by you joint venturing it, you kind of splitting the, you become the front desk of a hotel, and they become the bellhop and that's the staff. Cool.
2: <laughs> wow, so that's that's a really good idea. That that's a good one.
0: So there's a they essentially can work off their rent, or, or significantly lower their rent by doing that by participating that way. So um, in a joint venture,
1: of your of your rentals, what what percentage are are long term, and what percentage are Airbnbs?
0: Well, I so right now I'm moving towards a hundred percent short term, and for for me, I I'm, I do more nurses and um, people who are um, case management coming in. So I don't use Airbnb as much as I, I, I use different sites and my own websites and um, so so Airbnb is the the low end of the corporate housing. Of spectrum, so to speak. It's to definitely gets you to in there so you can meet the different people mm-hmm. like um, Micah met a, a traveling nurse, right?
2: Uh-huh. So your
0: next your next thing is to say well, what agency does she work for and then you drill down and say introduce yourself to that her case manager and, and, and drill down and find out what else they need and, and then you start working um, directly and cutting Airbnb out of the picture you have your own um, deal flow coming. <laughs> wow! So you see what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not insulting Airbnb. It's is a gateway for you to get in and find out who's coming your, to your town, and then it's up to, to to you know I call it niche rental for you to create your own niche and drill down, know their culture, know their accounting terms, and how they want their invoices and and things like things like that. Like I rent to. My, my local medical center directly. I went to the regents of the University of California directly. You know, So I, I know what to put on my invoices to them.
2: Wow, Al. I, I, you know what's funny? I didn't think to ask them, hey, who do you work for? Because what I've been doing is I've been posting my condo on corporate housing by owner. But I could just cut out that middleman and go straight to the source. Wow. I, I, you, I didn't you, even think to you do can.
0: that. Now, slow slow down, slow down. Don't cut that out because <laughs> you need that flow. Okay. And you also need those third-party reviews, so that uh, you need that Yelp reviews, third-party,
2: uh-huh. as
0: you're building as you're building your own. But this is this is a, a fresh pond to, to fish in, and it's more it's more lucrative. So I said all that to explain to you that I, I rarely use Airbnb anymore because. Um, I kind of have gone through this process of drilling deep and narrow. You know, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not to the general public anymore.
2: Uh-huh. Wow. See, that, that's a good way to think about it, man. I, 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 wow. I'm, I'm definitely going to call my tenant tonight and ask who she works for. Uh,
1: I'm going to count how many times Micah says, wow, in this interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's taking some serious notes now.
2: Yeah, you're, you're teaching me a lot of stuff, man.
1: He's gonna double okay. your net worth by the end of this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to leave you with that, but make sure I, I expressed you know Airbnb is great, same with VRBO and everything. But don't don't stop there. Let other people stop there. Huh. But but that's your that's your um, that's the, you're just at the beginning of the hallway.
1: Yeah. jumping jump off point right there. That's um.
0: I was gonna ask.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm convinced. How do I get rid of my long term renter?
0: <laughs> you <laughs> I, just okay. say the word, man. You're the you're the owner.
1: To say the yeah. I know I Now, need
0: to... now you you gotta you, you know I, 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 I don't uh, I do have long term renters. I don't push them out until they move. Once they move, I flip it over. It's just because it has to um, sit well with my soul. You know what what I'm doing. So yeah, you have to hey. wrestle with you have to just wrestle with that that you feel good about what you're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing I, I remember you saying on one on the episode of bigger pockets was, and, and I'm Steve because he's kind of having the long term rental blues. Uh, if you actually listen to our previous podcast, we talk about it. But uh, you said to do the eviction process, you just do the cash for keys, right? And you get them a U-Haul.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, especially when especially when I made a mistake, you know, I'm cash for keys. I buy their U-Haul, I give them boxes. And um, if I have to drive them over to put the deposit down somewhere else, you know, get them out, they have to get out of my place.
1: (laughs) That's an awkward drive right there. Just not a lot of conversation going on.
0: (laughs) Well, it it teaches you to, to be firm and fair and make sure that you don't, um, that you follow your own rules, your own screening rules, because mm-hmm. um, when every time I deviate from that, you know, every time I don't insist on three times the, you know, their income being, their net income being three times the rent, I get myself in trouble. Every time I try to help someone out, I, I get myself in trouble. That's sad, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that...
0: As, as as a you know, for long term tenants, um, I don't have any issues with short term people.
1: And it's um it's kind of like they say you know are you running a business or a charity?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So I like to uh, help out, give give the church, and and not, not my place though, not my, <laughs> not my dwellings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no charity with my dwellings. That's my, you know, that's what I use to feed my family. Is not is out of defense for my family. I do not allow. Um, I don't deviate from the rules I know that is standing the test of time you know like do not rent to your family members do not rent to Uh your friends
1: yeah
0: three you know three times the rent it should be the income and um leave it empty until you find people that can fit those things
1: it's great advice or
0: you know your your option is go short you know furnish it and do a furnished rental
2: yeah that's what I've been doing and yeah it, it it I definitely see why your strategy on the uh, on the traveling nurses, because you know, hey, you can make this much, you can afford this, and, and it makes your job a whole lot easier. You know, and I right, I, I, right. Yeah.
1: I think my wife should allow me to let traveling nurses stay here at our house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just a side note. Now
0: that's just a, you know, that's just a one. You know, traveling nurses are great. That that's just one of many people who travel. And for a long time, um, you know, back then I was a, a British construction engineer in Bigger Pockets. Now, you now I'm on my own now with um, just kind of living on passive income now. But I was a, a construction manager. So I had to travel to whenever there's a bridge, is typically away from home. I had to travel and stay there. And all kinds of engineers, aeronautical engineers, and all kinds of professionals, case management people, and professors who are doing sabbaticals. And there's so many different people who are doing long-term stays that if, if your town doesn't have a, a traveling nurse, that doesn't mean that you can't do the strategy the same thing. because even line transmission linemen who are dealing with uh, power lines and, and making sure they do their routine inspections, they, they travel out and they stay, they serve as a whole region, and they stay in one spot and they, they travel out to um, do their inspections and, and they have different home bases. So there's so many people, I think ambulance training people. Um, my sister is with, a, there's an aeronautical uh, trade school you about air, you know, aircrafts and, you know, those people come two months at a time. So a traveling nurse is just one flavor of the, of the 31 flavor. so to speak.
1: Uh, one thing I, I heard a while back before I was getting into real estate was, was, uh, I have friends that are from West Texas, the, the West, you know, the panhandle. And, and especially this is, you know, during the oil booms and, it, and whatever, they um they have to ship in all these workers to to work the oil fields and they're and they say like little apartments little one bedroom apartment would go for two or three thousand dollars a month you know because they don't have anywhere to stay and so these um mobile home parks start popping up and they start renting those out for the same you know one or two thousand dollars a month but these guys are making money hand over fist when oil's booming it's booming you know. And so I was wondering, um, is, is that a good business model doing mobile mobile home parks? That's what we've been fascinated with for a little bit.
0: You've got to be at the right you – know, what your local is, it, it tells you that. Like I was in New Mexico, same thing. I couldn't find a hotel room um, because, of, because of the oil, uh, the natural gas boom. So a mobile home park uh, would definitely work during that time. But, you know, a lot of it slows down. It, it can it can slow down with the cost of gas, so you always have to have a good exit strategy. Yeah, but absolutely, it. anything will anything will rent. Um, you know, people rent teepees, right? <laughs> 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 teepees, <laughs> igloos, treehouses. It's, a, it's just a matter of yeah, how much can you get for it? Does not make it worth your while? Yeah, so, <clears throat> absolutely.
1: And you and you're big. And, and what I thought was cool. Uh, what differentiated yourself from a lot a lot of guests on on a lot of podcasts on BP or whatever is as you're big into community building, and right. and you and you you're not afraid to go into you know a little rougher neighborhoods and you try to like improve the neighborhood instead right. of just jumping in there and being a slumlord like a lot of people do, you actually try to to bring it up and that's that's really cool man how how do you do
0: that so. There's so much this you know that's so near and dear to my heart. I can talk to you all day about about that.
1: Well, go ahead, especially
0: go ahead. so. So, so first of first of all, um, landlords again they're making the least amount of money. They're, make, they're making this lazy money. That's inner city communities. There's plenty of gold there, but it has to be mined, you know. So,
1: as my friend says, my from Oak Cliff yeah, says, "There's money in the hood."
0: There, there's plenty. <laughs> Yeah. there's plenty of it but working you know as a slum the you know that's just making a headache for yourself and that's really no way to run a business there's no ceo who just let his business just fall apart that's not a not a business mindset so the exact opposite of that and 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 it's for your own self-interest because you're essentially as a property owner you can cr- create more value then, then you capture, and, and there's plenty of ways to create value by bringing order to the neighborhood, just making it, insisting that the trash stays off the ground, and um, calling in when the taking some ownership, calling in when there's a light out on street light out, or um, working with your local police department and showing up at city council meetings, and and staying with it. Eventually, you. Uh, people, will, by default, other landlords will will give you, or finance whatever you need because you're helping their, they don't, most landlords in the hood or inner cities do, do not want to be the source of problems. They don't want the problems to happen on their property, but they don't want to exercise any leadership as well. So those two things together means that they will contribute money to your cause if you're trying to throw a block party or trying to upgrade the. Um, organize everyone to mow their lawns or, or those types of things they will contribute because they're because they uh, directly benefit now that's not the same so you work with landlords you don't work with property owners property owner sees it as an expense to uh, upgrade the neighborhood but landlords they know in the form of increasing rents that they will get their money back 20 times over if if we can um, tip the neighborhood into a more orderly uh, fashion. So it's essentially that. The missing ingredient for a lot of these neighborhoods is just leadership.
2: Wow, Uh, that's that's really inspiring, man, because you're pretty much saying the community is the HOA. You know what I mean? You are the homeowners association. You just have to take pride in it, build it up yourself, and it can be done. I, I like that you actually... You know, bring that to the front forefront that, you know, if you buy a property in this bad neighborhood and, and I remember on the podcast, you said you had a fourplex and then you bought a house right next to it just so you because, you know, you're going to help keep it up. You know, it's kind of like right. buying up the whole block. Let me buy the block and fix it up. You know, no, and, yeah, you know. So and, if,
0: go ahead. So if you can't buy the whole block, you, you have to network with the other landlords. Mm-hmm. So it's controlling the block more so than buying the block. Because it may not be in your best interest to own all these some properties that are falling apart, but you definitely want to be in contact with the owner, have some relationship, and an influence over the whole block is is really kind of what you're saying. Yeah. You want influence over the whole block, and that will allow you to do um, to get rid of people who are bring negative stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they can't just move from a, one down. <laughs> because because um, you're still there and it uh, attracts people who, who want some order in their lives even though they're, they're low income they just want an orderly safe place to live and, and you're still making you're making even more money than because um, first of all everyone knows the cash flow in the inner city is is pretty good because you can buy buy low mm-hmm. and the cash flow is great but cash flow without any um, Crazy hood problems, you know. Without the ghetto problems, is even better. Uh huh. So this and this, and, oh, and go you ahead. bring your and you bring. See, he got me going. Well, oh, go ahead, man. The reason you buy low, you're buying low, is because there's uh, a reputation issue. You know, that has a bad neighbor has a bad reputation. They're they're the they're the Bill Cosbys right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where the rep he has a bad, you know, it's a bad reputation. The, s- the same values, the same jokes, the same, you know, the same um, architecture as these great neighborhoods. The same charm and everything It's just someone's got to spend some time restoring the neighborhood. They gotta, just like with the celebrity, they start saying they went to rehab, saying that they're serving, you know, doing some nonprofit work, saying that they're over and. In Haiti doing some charitable work or walking down the streets, you know the some good PR building you have to do get the word out to to communities outside of the neighborhood so people can have additional information new information to make a new decision about the neighborhood and then you restore your property values nice. so that's how you do it
1: now, now this might be a dumb question, but have you ever seen it work? too good as in like the the thirty thousand dollar a year blue collar guy you know his neighborhood all of a sudden it's thriving and gets gentrified and he can't afford to live there anymore
0: so so that happens oftentimes when when there's a lot of money being pushed in and um and there's no grassroots type of thing helping people get qualified and things like that and it's happening to you know my my own neighborhood Even though I spent years trying to get people to clean up their credit, (laughs) and buy buy in, so, but but it doesn't have to. It doesn't. You know, of course that happens, but it doesn't um, mean that you can't bring order to your neighborhood. Um, There's there's a there's a. I have this graph that I put together because at a certain point you want to work with the neighbors until the safety issues are taken care of. And then after the safety issues get taken care of and it's a good neighborhood, those renters don't want people outside of the area to know about it. Because they uh-huh. don't want, they want to keep hush-hush the, the word. But but jobs won't come until people outside the neighborhood know that it's changed. So, so you gotta start working with the business owners at that point and bringing jobs to the neighborhood and, and helping the people living there to get those jobs. So you need some political backing as well. So there's a there's a lot to it. Um, those who want to participate in it can definitely uh, rise with the neighborhood. And um, some people there's but there's you know there's people that have inherited the the poor money management habits of their parents and and uh, are afraid of change altogether. So there's there's no helping them, um, and they're the, they're the loudest to complain
1: now how do you um have you have you ever dealt with section eight
0: you know i know I'm I, I believe i believe section eight has its place but it, it it reduces the incentive of the renter to participate in neighborhood revitalization because hmm. there's no financial incentive for them hmm. so because yeah. because of that i don't i don't allow any i don't participate in the program if I, if I'm doing a a neighborhood improvement effort.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense.
1: And one and one thing you brought up is um what I think is cool. What a lot of um okay, like a lot my friend, for example, a lot of a lot of people don't know that much about real estate and they don't listen to the they don't listen to podcasts, they don't try to educate themselves. And like my friend's sitting on a house that he's about to sell and he wants to get like a chunk of money, like he's probably gonna make like ninety thousand off this thing. And he, for him, it's just oh, that's ninety thousand in my bank account. Well, well, the government's going to take a big chunk of that, and um, but I was like, well, do you have any plans to buy like because he has another house already? Do you have any plans to buy anything else? you know, with real estate, he's like, well, I thought about buying some land. I was like, well, why don't you ten thirty one it? He's like, huh? What's a ten thirty one? And I, and you mentioned <laughs> it on big pocket, bigger pockets. You use that to grow the ten thirty one. How did you, it. how did you utilize that? And what is a ten thirty one? And how did you utilize that?
0: So, the the. The tax laws are written for people who have assets. It's all, it's so unfair. It's this, this plagued with loopholes that, you know, this, it's just plagued with loopholes. And one of the loopholes is, in addition to uh, depreciation and all that phony baloney stuff, is this tax-free exchange where you can sell your property and, and just, um, the money doesn't come to you it goes through a third party, and then you use that money to to pay buy another property. And you do all this without having to pay taxes on your on your profit. And you can keep rolling it forward until you die without paying taxes on it, and then leave it to your children, and your children get the hit the reset button and not pay taxes on it as well. Wow! So you can keep rolling things forward without paying taxes. On your profit every time you sell, but you you can't um, put the money. It's like your like your 401k. You know, you you can roll it from job to job, but you can't. As soon as you put it in your pocket, then you then it's taxable. But the proceeds, you know, you can buy. You can I, I took one my three unit and 1031 did into my eight unit and w- without any taxes. But of course, I, I cash checks every month. Uh, from from the rents. And and then when you know, whenever we sell this eight unit one, uh, we'll roll it forward into a, a bigger investment or maybe four fourplexes or something like that. It has to be a a, a bigger um, debt amount on it. And then it just keep playing the same game, avoiding taxes.
1: So so would you rather have the four fourplexes instead of like get in an apartment complex or something?
0: No, the efficiencies of having just one roof to manage and having all those, more units you have under one roof, the, um, you know, your building, I don't mean to get nerdy on you, but just just having one large building envelope to maintain is more efficient than having a whole bunch of building envelopes to maintain that have gutters and all those expenses. You don't have the economy of scale with um, the fourplexes.
2: Yeah, in, in, I, my,
0: I, in my situation. That's in my situation.
2: You're not the first person I heard. It's crazy. The last Bigger Pockets episode, he said the exact same thing. So I definitely see where you're going with that. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about, because we kind of had the same inspiration. I heard you say that um, you do all this to build wealth for your kids. And I have a two-year-old son, and that's really why the whole reason I do this is I want my son to have something when I'm gone, you know, and his kids and his kids. So we were wondering, uh, do you, do, do you still have a full-time job or
0: no, not anymore. Wow we, we just past, It just got passed this happened like six months ago we, we um, said well there's there's some big opportunities re- re- regarding so I have enough pasta to cover my expenses. Mm-hmm. Let me say, let me say that. Congratulations the, by the, op- the way. yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then the opportunity to um, my, the project I'm working on, is i'm creating a extended stay in america but in decentralized so it's going to be all over in different cottages all throughout sacramento so that's what i do and i use airbnb and these different websites very little bit of airbnb but different websites and my own my own uh, um, websites to, um, to do corporate housing long-term stay in these you know houses behind people's houses and cottages. So, so it's a rental arbitrage move. You you rent the you rent the cottage or the small studio, and you furnish it, and then you uh, rent it out for more, and you keep the difference. So I'm building out that we have four so far. I'm on my way to 20, um, that's the goal. Let so us, that, us know that, how that, we can invest that is, in that. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> that opportunity was so big and, and it was right in front of me and it allows me not to travel and be home with my my family and raise my raise my family that um I made the ship. Wow,
2: that's
0: and, awesome.
2: That's inspiring.
0: Also, <laughs> also you know, to be self employed or to accept financial freedom is is uh, scary because um you know, you, you, you people want to get away from the bus, but then the security that you, you let go of. And in my life, I could do it. And that was, so I wrestled with that for longer than I should have. But it is a scary thing to um, accept your final freedom. It's, it's easier to build it, but then when you accept it and, and move, shift gears, you know, especially when you have a family. You guys both have kids, or is it just Steven?
2: Uh, Mike, well, we both do.
1: Yeah, I have two daughters. He has yeah. a he has a son.
2: I have the two year old son. And yeah. That's
1: that's everybody's dream is to stop you know stop working so much and spend time yeah. with your family.
0: Yeah, they, they do that, but you, you want to make sure that you can provide. You know, that's the scary thing. You're even <laughs> you're like, what? You know, you got to get that mindset um, set up. It, it's a it's a it's a leap of faith, just like all the wealth building is elite faith. So I guess so I just took mo- that about six months ago.
1: That's awesome. That, I guess the, the, a big scary part of it is, um, is the way that health insurance has been skyrocketing. And I'm, I'm like, I get health insurance on my work. And, and if I did just quit, you know what I'd be, pro- I'd paying a lot more for it outside of work. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, we have, um, we have crappy health insurance right now, but, um, as we, you know, as my other business projects get better, then you know I'll be able to cover that. But that, but none of that. That's one of the before um, the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare came out. It was even scarier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, least, really? at least there's a safety net right now. That that may get pulled or revised. Who knows what happens politically? But it was even harder before Obamacare or the American, the Affordable Care Act came out.
1: Wow. Let's see. Um, wh- another thing that, that I, I thought was cool, or you you mentioned briefly on on the Bigger Pockets interview, was that um, you've oh, you're a tinkerer, whatever inventor. You you've you've tinkered with different sources of income. What other things have you tried? Do you still incorporate other kind of investments into your into your portfolio, your life <laughs> portfolio?
0: Oh, I I do in a sense. I um. Back then, when I wrote, did that interview, I was trying to pay for my mortgage with just side income, or you call it ancillary income. And I, I achieved that in 2015. Um, so it took me about seven years, from 2008, because my tenants couldn't pay in 2008, to 2015 to be able to figure it out. And um, I realized. So, so that was storage many bicycles furnishings you know payday rents it's, it's all um, in my book uh, 40 ways to increase the net income of in your rental properties I always lock I, so I had to write it all down I always lock up when people ask me that because there's just so overwhelming the number of things you can do from um, adding storage to your to your uh, properties creating a, a, a micro mini storage or um, even um, you can even rent, take over your take over the notes of your tenants and things like that, so that you uh, you got their car car payment as well as their um, their rent payment and different different things financially,
1: wow, that's or even working
0: beyond your property values, working to organize an association when there's no association, and um, getting your say say mowing lawns, you get everyone on the block's lawn mowed at the same time and you get a cut at that action, or even the, the elimination of the cost of your, because um, it's all net income. When you think of on a net income spot, you're reducing, you're reducing your expenses and, and generating the cash flow. So um, there's just so much there. But but the, what I realized after I accomplished the goal was that by using the... Doing short-term rentals really set the stage for, for more income sources or more um, profit centers or more um, side income opportunities. As soon as you have a corporate rental, then you know there's an opportunity to rent a car to that person because they have a car budget or um, a laundry service to that person or maid service. All these different services you can tack on when you get onto a, a short-term rental platform and away from the long-term tenant, um, it's just endless. Then, then you really open the door. So that's why I always say, long-term traditional landlording is the absolute least, laziest thing that you can possibly do with an asset. Wow. It works. It's definitely a great path to wealth building because you pay down your mortgage. But it is the least cash-flowing option besides you know the only thing worse you can do than traditional landlording is leave the place vacant. <laughs>
1: That's, wow! That inspires me. So you're all about bundling. That's what you're doing. Bundling as much as you can to get the biggest bang for
0: your buck. Yes, you bundle, and, and but your goal is to give them services that they're already purchasing for for less, and and create a savings for them, and then you also enjoy in you profit by you, you, you enjoy some of that savings as well. That's how you also um, add to it. So it's, it's not like you're, it's not like bundling like the cable company, bundles. <laughs> it's not that phony baloney moment It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's bundling, just, just off the top of my head, let's say they have a car, that their car rental, they fly in on, on Mondays, they leave on Fridays, they rent a car. Well, if you can provide that through Toro or, or your own car service for less, and and give them a nice, a slightly nicer car, then you're creating value for them, and and you're getting paid as well, and you're staying within their their budget.
2: Yeah, it's crazy you said that because me and Steve, we we've been talking about that for like the whole our whole podcast. Hey, should we give them a car? Should we not give them a car? And we actually we're actually having a meeting about it tomorrow. So that's really cool. You mentioned that the
0: Turo
1: meeting.
2: Yeah, we're having a Turo Airbnb <laughs> meeting. So.
0: Yeah. So yeah, there's so many ways of going about that. Find out whatever their needs are. Uh, provide it, and if you can provide it, you want to be able to provide it for a slight profit for yourself. But um, that's how you do it.
1: So, so you're, you're a super smart dude. I mean, we're just blown away right here. <laughs> and uh, and um, do you do you invest in all in the in the stock market? Have you found out the secret? Have you cracked it?
0: Yeah, I cracked it all right. I stay out of it. <laughs> you tried it, it right. then. <laughs> I went all, you know, I, I studied uh, the whole. You guys still with this? You still got me here? I blanked out in a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I studied options. I was doing that, butterfly spreads, and, you know, all the way through the stock market. And then enough so that I could look behind and see that people were making moves before good news or making moves before bad news came out. So I realized how manipulated this thing is. So I'm just out. It has nothing to do with the evaluation of the product or the company or whatever. It's, it's, um, It's very manipulated. So because of that, because I couldn't control it or I couldn't even add value to it or I couldn't even do an analysis and and say that this is going to be good or bad because it's so manipulated um I'm out
1: so so even to the point of like opening a you know uh, an IRA or something for your kids when they're small to just let it snowball and grow you don't even do something like that
0: No, no for the, for for them it's, it's uh, you know, buy them houses
1: okay okay
0: yeah you give them assets yeah there's a difference so because because then because you can add value to it you know just like we were talking there's so many things you can do to add value to um, to real estate and you got uh, you know 15 years to do that and then um, so you're good even even if you if you put money aside and you um, use that for and, and borrow against that necessarily you're saving for your kid, school and and um, well you need, there's so much to this here because you want to employ your younger, your youngster so that you can open up the tax benefits to that make sure you guys do that hire your children if you're, if well don't let me, I don't want to to be too forceful but I want you to be saving for their um, college and also you're paying for their expenses anyway right, you're paying Uh for their food anyway so you might as well send the money through a, as an employee, and um, goes into an account that you use on their benefit anyway, and open up a tax savings for yourself. Huh. And, and, since, and since you have real estate, or real estate, or even an Airbnb business, or any business, then you can find a way for them to participate, even if it's just being a model in the ad somewhere, or a, um, or clean, helping you clean up the place or something. So, there's all kinds of opportunities um, to to help your children along, and and, and to um, besides the stock market. Okay, so so stay away. Did not go too far off the of track there. <laughs> no, no,
1: It's oh. just it just uh, the stock market seems <laughs> sexy. You know, invest in stocks, watch your money exp- grow and explode and snowball all that stuff. And then, uh, how, hey, I'm a landlord, and your friends tell you, oh, you're a slumlord right away. You know, it's kind of like the least sexy thing. But it, it yeah. makes it's the safest bet, I think.
0: Go, go for housing service provider.
1: Housing service provider.
0: Uh, housing services oh, provider. Oh, yeah. that's that's
1: your, your your official
0: title. Yeah, it opens up a, a the mindset more than a slum the, than the landlord. Landlord,
1: housing yeah. services provider. Because like you provide.
0: That. That's your goal is to provide provide services for your your housing is one of the services you provide for your tenants nice wow
1: that shuts them up right away
0: yeah they can't even they can't even that opens up a blue ocean for them but they can't <laughs> they can't tack you with
2: they're like so what stock should I buy
1: um another question I had uh, oh this is a big deal for, for me and Mike we've been talking about it for a minute to like okay we're gonna go in we're gonna get a maybe get a house together maybe get a duplex to rent out an Airbnb fix up together rent it out and you've taken on partners before. How do you do that where we don't end up killing each other?
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to do that very slowly, you know, as so you get to know the person. And then um, the partnership that I'm in now, we, we wrote the partnership agreement to figure out how, how we're going to handle our losses. That's the first thing you do. You say, well, you assume you're not going to make any money because that's easy to figure that part out. It's to figure out how you to deal with your losses. You know, if someone wants to get out, how are you going to deal with that? If um, you end up losing a lot of money or one person gets sued, how do you deal with that? So it's got to be a partnership agreement or something between the two of you. Uh, And um, you want to make sure that relationship is is long-lasting, that you really know the person, how they behave under stress. That's really important. I I knew my partner met me uh, about about two and a half years, and you know, we had to go through some things, set up, do some different events, and get to know each other over a period of time before um, we turned into a partnership.
1: Well, I already gave Micah all my money, so I hope he um, hope he's trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because because you, you know, a partner—if you guys have a joint checking account—can just write a check to themselves and take off. Oh, so, oh nice. I mean, no, not nice. <laughs> Yeah. And just just leave you with nothing at all, yeah, Bes- besides o- owing some of the debt. You know, your, your name's associated with the debt that you leave behind. Yeah. So it's like marriage, for, for sure.
2: So one other question I had for you, because uh, you're, you're a really smart guy, seem to be really successful. You got your webinar stuff going on. Um, like, what do you do to keep your mind... You know your mind focused. Do you meditate, do yoga? What do you do?
0: I don't know if I'm quite focused as much as I give <laughs> <laughs> so me credit for. You seem very zen, you yeah. know. It's, it's um, you know, I, I, I it's the, the regular, you know, have you heard of the Miracle Morning? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about yeah. that. The, oh, I, what's try that? To, I try to do that. I try to it, it's try a book to, you know, that
1: I get. got, uh, Miracle Morning, it's about morning rituals. Like, like meditations, exercise and, and yeah.
0: stuff to start your day. Oh, I need yeah, to get that. So, so, you just so gotta you, wake up at so
1: 4.30 a.m. and do it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite up that early, but, but I am getting, I'm getting my workouts in now and, um, you know, make sure I got my, my devotionals in and, um, you know, I have more control of my time now that, um, I will have to punch a clock. So, so that's, that's what I do. And I'm, you know, I'm always trying to learn. I'm, I'm Trying to trying to figure out this whole landlording thing that with the, the edge of what is possible what we can do with our with our different with a single family home that's my my, my new challenge is to figure out how someone could buy a, a one house or one residential um, investment and retire off of that
2: wow what they
0: would need to do to get their cash flow so that they can so to replace a, a medium income job—that's—that's that's what my mission is right now.
2: Wow, that, that, that's pretty cool, man. That's, that's pretty cool.
0: Our,
1: our minds are just blown right now, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you could like have a car attached and probably have one of those quarter uh, laundry washer and dryer machines in there. It's ways.
1: <laughs> so another question: um, Why is Star Trek uh, not as good as Star Wars?
0: Oh, that's, a good, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, those are two different eras. I'm not sure that you can say that. You mean nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, the, I just heard you were a tricky. I just heard you were a tricky. Star Trek was the biggest thing when it was out. So, but, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Probably because there's no women stars in, in Star uh, Trek. There's okay, no big okay, I got women one. stars Star Maybe that's it. I don't know the answer to that one.
1: What has sci-fi taught
0: you about investing? Uh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing because I was trying to do a whole series on sci-fi for investors. Huh? And um, I was trying to publish it on Bigger Pockets, and people could not get it. They could not. They could <laughs> not get the. Um, I love what sci-fi. I was trying to do. I was trying to. I was trying to talk about what was possible and write some fiction for. A landlord could participate in it, and it's a great exercise. You know, like I was, you know, talking about how, I, you know, we put carbon. Here in California, you get carbon credits for, if if you're a polluter, you have to buy carbon credit, credits that people planting them um, forests, or or things like that, um, yeah. that reducing carbon. So there's a whole market for that. So I said, what if you can attach that to your rental property so that your rental property is a big carbon scrubber helping eat greenhouse gases, you know? Those types of things. I was out, and and there were so many complaints of people who can't catch science fiction (laughs) that I stopped stopped writing about it, and it seems like I can't even have a conversation about it because I lose people with the the what-ifs but yeah absolutely that that whole mindset is is how you open up um, the world of possibilities for what a, a rental property owner can do
1: and I, I do remember as a kid watching star trek the old ones and and you know they touched the little their little lapel thing and beep beep you know beam me up scotty and and then uh, that seems so like that's impossible how the hell is he talking to that guy like from that spaceship on with pushing a button you know and and i remember we had some professors like we were oh actually um i think it was it was right around when beeper started getting popular and 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 some and some Mm -hmm. i don't know beeper manufacturer whatever made a motorola came and spoke at our school and and they said you know and they showed us that clip and they said one day this will be possible and i was we're like it would just seem so far-fetched yeah but every all that stuff that's all that star Wars star trek technology seems to come to fruition
0: Yeah, yeah yeah i mean I remember, I am not sure if you guys are old enough to remember this, but when the first fax machine came out, and it was, um, you mean I could get the same, you know, they send it to me over there, so this is just like the transporter, you know.
1: <laughs> it is, and we have 3D printing now, just like, you
0: know. Yeah, it's 3D printing, yeah. and, and there's all kinds of um, things, you know, so yeah, I'm absolutely a believer that that can that can happen if you have to go anywhere because there's virtual realities coming out so much. Yeah.
1: Now, would you, you ever put solar panels on your rentals or no?
0: I, I would. Now now that I now that most of my rentals are corporate housing, or at least my apartment buildings are, most are corporate, that, that I pay the utilities, now it makes sense for me to do something like that. Right. But, but it has to be, you know, since I do commercial, my properties are commercial, they're... The, the income of the prop or how much I can sell it for is based on the cash flow or the net income so I, I have to be really cautious if I'm if it's going to improve my 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 property values or not from a will a new owner who bought my property will they will they see it as an, uh, an additional asset and will they pay me for it so th- those are the things that um, we're still not quite there yet where and because a, a new owner buying my apartment building may turn it back into a traditional rental instead of operating as a um, corporate rental.
1: Right, right.
0: So I'm always thinking about that so um, I did do the windows. I, I put in high efficiency low E, about 10 grand worth of windows this year because I'm paying the bills. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Also,
0: Also, I, I needed to be comfortable so I, I'm trying to if my story back in bigger pockets I might the my my one bedrooms were cash flowing at $400 a month the rent when I bought it and and now I'm I'm trying to break the $2000 per month per rent um, uh, barrier for me right now, now I'm in the 1800s for wow. uh, the same unit furnished of course but I'm trying to break the $2000 per month um, barrier so the comfort of the unit is super important i got that's why i had to do windows and um, to do different things to make it uh the value congruent with how much i'm asking for it if that you follow what i'm saying yeah, it's got to be yeah. super comfortable yeah to get to get that much money for that unit
1: and, and and as far as like i remember you or you just said a minute ago about um how motivated they would be to like know that they're using solar power or getting, or getting the, you know, the benefit of solar power, you know, maybe some hippie thinker or something. I don't know. But, um, there's, there's actually an ad right now on TXU energy, which, which is over here in Texas. It's called, um, what is it called? Uh, free day, free, free nights and solar days. And so it's actually advertising to people, Hey, check it out. If you sign up for this package, the your nights are free. You don't get charged electricity at night, and your days are powered from the grid or from solar power. So I, I think it's starting to catch on. People are like, "Well, wow, cool. You know, I'm, I'm helping the environment out a little bit." And and, and you know, it's, the mindset is changing just a little bit.
2: Another good yeah. thing is uh, if you heard of the um, Tesla Tesla battery. A lot mm-hmm. of people, you can do the solar power 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 during the day, and then turn on your Tesla battery at night and powers up your old house. So like oh, it's sweet. called going completely off grid. Yeah, it's yeah, possible. That's now. the
0: game changer right there. Yeah.
2: That's, that's awesome. The,
0: the, ba- the batteries are, are the the limit and um yeah, you know, I've been following it for we used um the whole Tesla, the whole um solar city um solar panels on Alcatraz. I did, I did I was the construction manager for making Alcatraz Island into a um solar powered island. Wow it for the National Park Service. So I've, I've been following that whole thing for a while. And and um, the batteries, we, we put in, you know, maybe 300 acid uh, batteries. Well, that was the best at, at, the, at the time. But we were always struggling with the fact that the batteries were the limit on what we could do. They were the, that's the choke point, is the batteries on the whole uh, renewable energy. For all renewable energy, is, is the batteries, comes down to the batteries storage,
2: yeah, wow. Man. So yeah,
0: keep it. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for on that. That's definitely um, worthy of a of a, a stock investment. Stocks.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, that's the only way to get a piece of that. Yeah.
1: This has been a great interview. Uh, real quick before I where I do my little my little Jerry Springer finish here. Um, what? Um, where where can people find you what yeah your website um your book i want to get your book i really do
0: yeah me too okay so the book is available on amazon it's called 40 ways to increase the net income of your rental property and my my book about inner city investing is called building wealth with inner city rentals and um my website kind of my website collects all my interviews and all my different ideas and wherever i'm writing i I always put a copy on my or a link on my website so you can keep up with me especially with my experiment on how to turn a one investment into something that can set you financially free so you're not buying a hundred rentals that is leadinglandlord.com leadinglandlord.com
1: leadinglandlord.com cool we'll we'll definitely look it up and I guess I wanted to close. I appreciate We appreciate the heck out of you you know, yeah, coming man. and talking with us. And we're just, like I said, blown away. And um, best interview yet, right?
2: Yeah. yeah it's up there, man. But <laughs> well, his
1: wife, we interviewed his wife, so he can't really say it's the best. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but I was just going to say, uh, I kind of wrote this down. I probably fumbled my words, whatever. I was like, look at us, three minorities talking business, contributing to society, gaining wealth, aiming to make the world a better place. The TV and media doesn't always portray us people of color in the best light, um, but shows like this, blogs like this, your website, webinars—a really good start, man, for mm-hmm. us, you know, getting a better light shined shined on the on the minorities in this country. You know, we're not all bad.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> definitely, and and
2: you've really inspired me on the rental thing, man. I'm I'm ready to call my renter now and ask who she works for. So definitely, <laughs> very inspiring interview. I don't want to
0: gentrify the neighborhood now. Come on. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're
1: you're, you're improving it, man. It's good. You're doing good.
0: Yeah. I already already had Black Lives Matter um, protest me once. Really? (laughs) Really? I did, yeah.
2: Hold on. Go into that.
0: (laughs) Well, I was doing a a real estate event, or real estate kind of a networking event, in my my neighborhood that's a uh, inner city neighborhood the one I focus on this is a type of event that you would typically do downtown at some fancy hotel but I wanted to do it at the local theater um, you know the middle of the middle of the former hood and and the the local chapter of black lives matter didn't even bother to google me or know anything about how I feel about inner cities or you know, I've been documenting my block parties and my neighborhood cleanups and how I, you know, I've picked up diapers and hypodermic needles for years, since you know 2005, and and yet they come out and and, pro, and they were looking for a photo op, uh-huh. and they were were protesting and yelling Black Lives Matter, and they didn't even have a, they didn't even know that it was a. Um, a black-owned business throwing the event. Wow!
1: But oh, once they wow. see
0: me out there, they're still. It was like too late. They couldn't. They couldn't admit that they were wrong. They they just kept doing their chanting, and, and pandering to the. Uh, they were complaining about rents being high, and. and um, yeah, it was pretty pretty sad. Even even some there were some people there that had even been to my block parties were were standing in the crowd with the showing support for the these people who are protesting me who had no idea were new to the neighborhood or didn't even live in the neighborhood and um you know trying to hurt my business
2: power of the media uh, man that was, wow that, that that's really so, sad and you have yeah, the people trying to actually sad. build up the neighborhood and you know that's sad yeah
0: yeah so it was it was um you know I, I was definitely a um, you know when when it's a uh, uh, pol- police brutality you no know, i'll stand right in line with them <laughs> right right I, yeah, definitely. they were they were they were well under under informed of, of who was what the event was they didn't even get the agenda which is online mm. they didn't do anything right. besides uh, used it as a, a way to rally their troops or whatever the I don't know. They, they needed to do an event, I guess, to keep stay relevant in the media or something like that.
1: kind of up, piggybacked off your event.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty sad. It sucks. But I anyway, mean, I was yeah. the cause of gentrification, I guess.
1: <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to live in a good neighborhood, good, safe neighborhood, man. It's yeah. nothing wrong with
0: that. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> but, oh, man. But...
0: This, it's been a so great this, interview. It's coming to you guys, too. You guys, as you guys are, are um, pressing the envelope on things, you will have your um, your haters coming on you. So take that as a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Look for them and um, take that as a badge, an honor badge, because everyone gets their set of haters as they become more successful. Haters
1: going to hate,
2: you know? Yeah, they are. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, this is a good interview. That was definitely a great way to end it. Um But yeah, this is Al Williamson at LeadingLandlord.com. If you're on BiggerPockets, look him up. Uh, He has a great webinar that actually I'm going to be a part of tomorrow. And uh, you can catch us online at LiveLetThrive.com. Call us at 469-300-9100. And we will post links to Al's site uh, webinars on our page. So be looking out for it. And Steve.
1: Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) Peace (laughs) out. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Al. Yeah,
0: thank you, Al. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.